Hello, good morning. Oh, I don't know, it depends what time it is, but hello and welcome to the How Might We podcast. My name is Scott Hunter from the Innovate Crowd, and today I'm pleased to have Guy Ellis joining me as the guest. And the title of this week's podcast is How Might We Become an Organization That Attracts, Engages, and Retains Gen Z? Okay, so Guy, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit, please? Thanks, Scott. So, Scott, my name is Guy Ellis. I'm the Managing Director of Gen Z Insight. We're a a relatively new organization based on 90 years of experience. We're very much focused on Gen Z. So for those who aren't aware or aren't sure, Gen Z is that population below the age of 25. So approximately born 1995 to around 2010, 2012. As an organization, we both help Gen Z employees. So typically just coming into the workforce now both integrate and and adapt to their new organization and critically help managers, executives, HR professionals, recruiters and so forth attract and and, uh, engage with those with that generation. Okay so I mean I've got a daughter who's 21 so she falls slap bang in the middle of this so uh, I've got some experience (laughs) of Gen Z maybe some good and some bad it just is but generally good if she's ever listened to it you're lovely Danny anyway so and my, my son is just over it because he's nearly 30. He won't let me saying that, but he is. Uh, thinking about these, these Gen Zs coming into the workplace, so what's some of the specific um, things that we need to look out for, the needs or desires these people, this generation have? So, so uh, you know, want to be very clear, I'm hugely enthusiastic about this Gen Z population. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're formed out of adversity. Some of the earliest memories are, are based on the 2008 economic crisis, years of terrorism, but also, and no surprise, they have only ever known social media and uh, internet on demand. So the reason that any generation, but this particular generation is, is, has these timeframes is because they are formed by these very clear social, economic and other interactions that are going on around them. We all know Gen Z, the Greta Thunbergs of this world. We have seen uh, many examples. So Greta's one, there are, there are lots of others in the US, the UK, Europe, the Middle East, of young people inspiring and creating global movements. Now, whether you like the politics or believe in the politics of, of some of these individuals is almost irrelevant. You know, I personally just incredibly admire the willingness of of this young cadre, this young group of of people who are able to engage and create a global movement, global, you know, passion for a topic that's important to them. And as, as, you know, organisations, we have a choice, you know, globally, Gen Z is the largest, largest uh, population group, the largest generation, full stop. It's bigger than any other generation in the world whether that's and and, and that generation is now entering the workforce so we have a choice as organizations we can either ignore them difficult because you know they are they are our future customers we can resent them we can treat them like the millennials we can treat them like they're, they're boomers or gen x or we can embrace them recognize that because of their upbringing because of the way that they they perceive the world we need to adapt and help them adapt to us in order not only to get the best out of them, but also to help us 
to help target and actually focus our offerings to those new consumers coming through as well. Okay, so it's interesting you saw when you talk to them about it is is recognizing these as the biggest generation. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes in the West that might be, or especially in Europe, it might be more difficult to understand because baby boomers traditionally have been our biggest generation. Um, but then if you go into places like Africa, the Middle East, and that oh. huge, huge percentage of their population is uh, within this age bracket. Yeah, 60% of the Middle East is aged 30 and younger. Now, at 30 obviously is just slightly outside the Gen Z, but that is the magnitude that we're talking about. You know, 60% of the Middle East, this is a massive population that is coming through in terms of, of staff, in terms of employees, we are seeing the first four to six years. We are seeing another 10 years still coming up as they leave school, university, whatever education system they're going through. They have some very distinct characteristics. Oddly enough, one of those is that they are very unique, that they're, they're similar in their uniqueness. They are very passionate about uh, passion. They have very clear ethics and morals, but they're a very go-getter generation as well. One could characterize millennials, so you know those aged 25 to typically 40, as a generation that talks about change. It is becoming very clear that Gen Z not only talk about it, but you know the Greta's show they are willing to do something about it. So a generation that has uh, spends their entire life. On a, on a mobile phone, or, although they're often castigated in terms of their you know, very low attention span, which is true in some ways. They've got an average attention span of eight seconds on, on a screen. They're also very capable of deep, deep diving into data and becoming very knowledgeable very quickly and getting to grips with all the, the intricate details. So it's a, it's a wonderfully different, wonderfully passionate, wonderfully activity-driven generation okay so do you think if like you say they're passionate about passion so yes and i, I did a one of my previous podcasts we had a, a guy called charlie boyle who talks about customer excellence and and stuff and he says it's about the story behind the brands now is becoming much much more important absolutely and people are much more willing to pay is becoming the sorry the cost is becoming less important than the story yeah Absolutely. And, you know, Gen Z epitomized that completely. They, they are looking for a purpose. They are not looking for organizations to try and save the world. But what they are looking for is a reason that organizations exist and critically, not just talking about it, but doing it. So, you know, if you say that you're there to help a local community, they expect to see that in action. They don't expect just to hear about it and, and to have some you know, cash thrown at the local community. They expect an organization to be reinforcing, to be targeting, to be encouraging staff to actually working in that local community. So it's not just about the idea of, of doing something. It's about actually demonstrating that you actually follow through with that. And, okay. and that's that whole story of brand and that's a, that whole story that sits behind, you know, Gen Z are prepared to pay for that sort of storyline, that sort of commitment. Okay, so, so I mean, a lot of times I think there's a there's a cynicism around as organisations will say X just to oh, it's, it's good branding to say or do something, but absolutely uh, dig below the surface. 
basically not a lot has really changed. And then you've got all the history now, especially recently, of the scandals that have hit about the behaviours of organisations. Sort of, we can go, we, uh, we can just reel them off if we wanted to. And especially <laughs> from two thousand nine, where you've got the resentment, I think, from still from a lot of people who said these big organisations, a lot of these organisations, their behaviour was out of line with the purposes they were saying, yeah. which pretty much was seen as the sort of the catalyst that caused or at least it may not cause it, but at least may have amplified 2009 yeah. that these people end up coming through. Yeah. No, and, and I mean, Gen Z, you know, the, the difficulty that the, the, the organisations will have with Gen Z is that Gen Z will just not accept things at face value. There's been a recent report out that, you know, Gen Z of all the various, various you know, populations, all the various generations, are the least susceptible to marketing hype. And that's because they have had their entire life listening to this hype. So one of the skills, one of the, the great skills that Gen Z have got is that they're able to distinguish between fact, fiction, hype, and reality. So, you know, organizations at a very practical level, if they want to attract Gen Z, you know, whether that's graduates, whether that's as young employees, you know, they not only have to say the right thing, but they have to show and demonstrate behavior and Gen Z will actually data mine quite intensely. So they'll ask colleagues, they'll go into things like Glassdoor, you know, they'll actually look for role models or examples or, or stories from real employees, not from HR people or senior executives. They'll do the digging to see whether a company actually talks and walks the same story. And, and organizations that can do that and let's be very clear, Gen Z accept that organizations make mistakes. They're not looking for perfection. But if, a, if, if an organization can show that they are walking and talking the same story, then that is a powerful attraction tool for, for a Gen Z. I mean, I think that's interesting. So that one of the things I think is when you're saying so, they, 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 they go for multiple sources for information. They rarely, rarely rely on the official data as the only source of information. Yeah. So I think one thing these people have grown up with is the democratization of information that maybe we didn't have that access to. Yes. Well, we, we can talk probably for, for hours about, you know, how we struggle to find information and, and the trip to the library, to the, you know, the, uh, the encyclopedias, but we won't. I mean, I've got two, two Gen Z kids and I'm, I admire you know, their ability to sift through the sheer weight of, of data on the internet and that's available to them. It's, it's a wonderful skill. The other thing that, and there's a whole bunch of other things that, you know, organizations need to be aware of, but, you know, that one of the two big, as I say, is this passion and this, this consistency of, of purpose that is, is so, so important for a Gen Z employee. Oddly enough, the second is pay. The, this generation is uh, formed and, and shaped by the recession, the, the global recession of 2008, 2009. You know, they've seen what it's like to rely on organisations. They've seen their, their parents, you know, their older cousins, the millennials, lose their jobs through no particular fault of their own. This generation thinks money is really important. You know, they are not fooled you have increasing levels of saving in the under 25s. This is not a generation that wants to spend like it's no tomorrow. This is a generation that wants to save and have the security of cash. One of the interesting side, side aspects of that is that many Gen Zers will have what we call side hustles. 
they'll have constantly ideas about how they can generate and build their own businesses. Now, they're not silly, they'll, they'll accept and they'll want to be, have that security of a big organization, but they have an entrepreneurial mindset and they'll always have their ideas about, you know, if the worst comes the worst, I don't have a job, what can I switch into that will continue to generate money and security for me? And again, that's a wonderful skill if organizations can actually grab hold of that entrepreneurial spirit. That's a wonderful skill to use within organizations to generate change, innovation, you know, and the whole raft of, of positive things that come with that. So the two, dri two big drivers, and there's a bunch of others we can talk about, two big drivers are passion, a purpose, and, and pay. So I'd say so as organizations so to attract these people is one be very clear. I think before we came on, we talked about like the Simon Cernick and my, like me, I'm like rattling up rather quickly to 50. It's, it's taken me years to try and find my why. And it's an, it's as, cause we would sort of just grown up with doing things, weren't we? but now he's saying the generations, they know their why straight away. They're, they're plugged into that at a very early age. There's a lot of us. We don't uncover it until much later in our life. Yeah. No, I kind of accepted that you were asked at 16, you were asked at primary school, what did you want to do when you grow up? And then that sort of, that was, it was more about the job itself. And I think maybe the conversations and now say, what difference do you want to make or what, what drives you? Maybe the conversations they're having at a much younger age than we did. Yeah. And, and I mean, Gen Z, I mean, so, you know, the implications for organizations. So Gen Z aren't about just being promoted. You know, this is a generation that wants to learn they, they want to learn not only how to do their job better, but they want to learn skills that will give them options in the future. So, you know, it's, again, organizations that offer both immediate job, you know, success plus opportunities to learn will be attractive to Gen Z. The great news for organizations is that unlike every other previous generation, Gen Z actually believe they have to learn themselves, that they don't see it as anyone other than their own responsibility for learning. Now, their learning style is very different. This is a generation that's been brought up on YouTube. They, are, they love videos. They love the sort of uh, little snatches, the little quick, you know, how-tos. They'd much rather go onto a YouTube video, watch a 30-second, a five-minute video, than sit through a, a half-full-day you know, classroom-based learning. But putting that to one side, this, this is a generation that wants to know more and they want to keep their skills up to date and they want to develop skills that give them options in the future so they don't get caught in that dead end that their you know, previous generations have sometimes found themselves. That's it, because I think, I don't know if you, you, you probably have heard of um, Daniel Pink and his mm -hmm. mastery, and I think that's sort of definitely the way you describe that matches into that mastery or time and purpose, absolutely, absolutely. spot yeah. on. No, I, I, a lot of admiration for, for the work he's done, especially, you know, some of those sort of videos. And, and that's absolutely, and I think every generation has that. So I'm not going to be fooled, but for Gen Z, they can, they can articulate it and they take personal responsibility for it. They don't leave it to the organization to give them purpose and, and you know, opportunities to learn. They grab it and they'll take it if you're giving it to them or not. So, yeah. So, I mean, that might have an impact on what we think about L&D because in one, one of my views, I think learning development might need to shift from that we're not the providers of learning, we're the facilitators of learning. Uh, and that, that shift has been happening for years and, you know, Gen Z, you know, they are bullshit repellent. You know, they, 
they will not, you know, whereas previous generations have, have been told to be grateful for any learning they got, this generation doesn't need to be grateful because the options are on their phone. Um, so they won't put up with, you know, this is the way it's always been done. They will do what fits them and what suits their particular lifestyle and, and circumstances. I think, as you say, we had to go and fight for knowledge. So if you didn't have an encyclopedia, you had four channels, three, three channels, three channels on the TV, and that was it. Now we're in information overload. So yep. information is free. So yes. If we're an organization trying to hold on to information, that would be thankful for the fact we're telling you something. So no, I'll just go and find a YouTube video. I'll just do a how-to. And so I, I think somebody said to me, well, something like 7 billion searches a day on YouTube. And one of the most is how-to. So as you say, how these people are consuming information. Absolutely. So, you know, we've talked very briefly, we've talked about purpose, we've talked about pay, we've talked about learning. Some of the other things that I think organisations can do to, you know, attract, well, certainly attract, engage, retain. When it comes to attracting, um, social media is key, multiple choices, video. We often, we often suggest that uh, organizations should think not only about doing multi-channels, so YouTube, you know, the stand website and the rest of it, but you should look at actually offering up examples and real-life scenarios. So, you know, rather than the sort of standard executive speech or the, the you know, HR or recruiter view, when it comes to attracting, give, you know, a day in the life of, you know, other young people, people actually working in real jobs. That sort of stuff really matters. Um, Recognise that you, that they like chat boards. So they like to see feedback. So if, a, if an organisation offers opportunities for employees to discuss or to give feedback about the recruitment process, actually that will be really powerful. Gen Z, as I say, are, are very pragmatic. So if they see all fluffy, nice, you know, stories, then they'll get suspicious. So they don't mind seeing negative comments. They see that as just part of the working life. You know, as I say, they've been through the war on terror. They've been through the economic crisis. They're now going through the COVID thing. You know, so they're used to hard stories. They're used to hard work and, you know, bad stories. So they see that. They know that's part of life. So they do that attraction yeah so you want to give them realistic you know expectations you want to be very clear that they're not going to be the next ceo within five years you want to say you want to be very clear about pay one of the things that i've noticed over the last five five years or so is you know my generation growing up you never talked about your pay you never talked about your salary gen z they do they will share their own salaries because they want to be sent, they want a sense of whether what they're being paid is fair and reasonable. And, you know, they'll prepare to do that with their colleagues in order to understand, you know, is there any biases? Is there any, is there any discrimination? Side, side aspect, but, you know, the whole diversity and inclusion agenda for Gen Z is, is actually a bit of a non-deal because they've moved beyond the rest of us in terms of thinking that we need to be more inclusive to one of, but, but why are we not? Um, so yes, we have to demonstrate that we are inclusive and diverse, but organizations need to recognize they won't get any plaudits for that. That will just be expected. They will, they, they will be struggling to understand why an organization is not diverse or inclusive. Um, so, you know, to, interesting aside that that's where we've got to, and again, one of those reasons that I love this generation, 
they look beyond the skin color, they look beyond the sex, they look beyond all of that stuff, and they will have, they will connect with people at a very emotional level. Other things to think about if you're an organization, you want to attract, you know, retain and, and motivate, engage Gen Z. Flexibility is really important. COVID, you know, huge negativity, but, but as with any major crisis or any major, you know, event, there are always positives that come out of it. And the demonstration that we can actually work from home in many, many of the roles that we've had, that actually we should be concerned about output rather than just, you know, being in the office and being seen, you know, really plays to the, the Gen Z, you know, attitude that there is no such thing as work-life balance. There is just life. Sometimes you just need to do stuff Monday to Friday, between the hours of nine and five, but on the other hand, you could be working on a weekend. You know, there, there, there is no distinction between it between weekdays and work weekends. There is just life, and they expect they they expect to be treated in that way. That you know, trusted to deliver something in a time scale that fits their own personal circumstances. It may surprise people, for instance, that although this generation is wedded to their phone, actually they really want face-to-face -face contact. So managers, when faced with managing Gen Z staff, need to appreciate that actually they will need lots of FaceTime. But they'll also want lots of coaching and lots of mentoring. They won't want to be told what to do. They'll want to be helped, guided. They will be given the objective. They want to be given the tools, but they do not want to be told how to do it. They want that flexibility. They want the trust. And they want to be led rather than pushed. So, um, yeah, fascinating you know, managers need to think about their own behaviour and about how they interact as well. I mean, a lot of what we're talking about is what people have been banging on about years, isn't it? This, this forward-thinking <laughs> organisation. Let's give people some autonomy. Let's give them the option to choose how they want to work. But I really like what you say. There isn't work-life balance. There is just work. There is just life. I nearly just, just, just work. I nearly said there is just work, and sometimes it feels that way. But there is just life. And I do think COVID has sort of created that because you well, not created, but that amplified or accelerated that concept because people say. Mm -hmm. How do I switch off after work? I said, well, you've got, you've got a life and we are now living and working in the same space, a lot of us compared to before, which we've never had. We had that demarcation that allows us to see it as a work-life thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, we will have, there will be negative downsides from that and we'll see those probably for years to come. But the concept that actually there is just a life and that work is part of that and your personal life is part of that, I think is a very powerful one. Yeah, and, and, you know, again, one of the key things that people need to recognise is that Gen Z, you know, and I know, you know, there's lots of issues and concerns at the moment that the younger generation, younger people are being forced out of work or not finding work because of COVID. But these, these are, this is a very smart generation who are very entrepreneurial and who, if we are not careful or don't embrace them, will take over the working world and they will remember the times when they struggled and people didn't help them. As I say, they've got this entrepreneurial spirit. They've got a very flexible attitude. They're constantly learning. They are, when they get passionate about something, they will engage, you know, not just within their own community, but they'll engage globally. This is a very powerful force. This, this could become an incredibly powerful force for good if organizations recognize that and use them appropriately. It's not just about adapting to Gen Z. We need to help Gen Z adapt to 
you know, the previous three, in some cases, four generations already in the workforce. So there needs to be a, give, a bit of give and take. But we do that by recognizing where they're coming from and helping them understand where, we, where we're at and then meeting in the middle. So I think that's sort of kind of where definitely one of the tenants I, I like and is about strengths and also coming from a, a, an area of appreciation. Yep. Coming from a viewpoint, I appreciate where this person is and then help them appreciate where we're coming from and the baby boomers and this and that. And then yeah. how can we, with that joint appreciation as a working community, work together to achieve what we're trying to achieve? Exactly. And I think that's the, the thing organizations are going to have now is that we've got so many different um, people with so many different needs, wants and desires for, 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 for a multitude of reasons, like generational wise, because of work condition wise, need for flexibility. Love it, it, I do think we may be entering the world, a different workplace, which is much more flexible on, on huge levels. And I think it's going to be designed. The flexibility may well come down to the conversations like through the leaders and the people they work for and each unit section will find its way of working depending on its demographic and its needs and wants. So I've just, I mean, I've given you a, a very whistle-stop tour, so I apologise for, for covering a lot of ground in, what, 20, 25 minutes or so. I mean, in, if, in terms of some sort of quick takeaways, uh, and I will do a small plug right at the end for, the, for our new book that we've just bought out, but in terms of quick takeaways... Yep, your top five would be great. Top five. Top five, as I normally ask people for. So first one is uh, mentoring. So organizations that actually consider and think about and use mentoring, um, and it's an odd term, reverse mentoring, so actually engaging Gen Z, working with them to not only learn from them, but learn, give them information as well, I think is one of the most powerful and would be the sort of immediate biggest you know change organizations could think about nobody knows gen z better than gen z and for many organizations it's an upcoming you know consumer base that they need to get to grips with and who better than asking you know your gen z staff about how to sell market to to a gen z consumer base and as i say in addition to that those skills around mobility the flexibility the social media, the technical aspects. This is a generation that, that is really switched on and can help other older generations to adapt to this, this new workplace that we're facing. So that would be my number one hit. Two, I think education. Education both for Gen Z, but also for their managers, their leaders, you know, the, the recruitment and HR professionals. Every generation, and there's, there's up to five generations now in the workforce, from the silent generation to the boomers to the Xs, millennials, and now Gen Z, um, has distinct characteristics. Social media has actually made Gen Z more homogenous globally than any previous generation because social media allows us to share that, those characteristics and, and create a global body. So education, I think, is key. You know, you talked earlier, uh, Scott, about an understanding and appreciation of where this Gen Z is coming from, an understanding for Gen Z about where their older generations are coming from. And, you know, we're doing some work with colleagues but, but because we think intergenerational management, intergenerational, you know, understanding is actually going to start becoming a very big topic. 
So education would be my second one. Third, purpose. You know, organisations need to be clear about their purpose. We can't all be, you know, the NHS, or we can't all be, you know, there to save, you know, the world, but we all have a purpose and a reason for being as organisations. Just be clear about it. Just follow it through. You know, recognise that even if the purpose is to work with a local community in order to, to give something to them and, you know, make enough money to be profitable and to be successful, that's great. But, but articulate it and see it through. That would be my third. Fourth, recognise that when you're managing Gen Z, it's not about telling them what to do. Traditional hierarchical approaches to management, you know, I mean, I think they've been dead for, for decades, but this generation's gonna kill it off for sure. Uh, they will not be told what to do. They expect to be cajoled, they expect to be encouraged, they expect to be directed, but they will, they want to go, they're, they're gonna take responsibility and they're gonna to want to take, take action themselves. These are, this is an action generation. They have a very different attitude to mistakes that most of us have. You know, this is a generation that's brought up playing games on, on, on social media. And so, you know, in a game, when they lose a life, they just restart again. And every time you lose a life, you realize how something shouldn't be done. So if you think about that attitude to, to learning in general, these guys are very comfortable making mistakes. Very comfortable. They don't see it as a big issue at all. So, you know, think about that sort of flexibility and then recognize that Gen Z and try and adapt your organization to take account of this entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit that they've got. This is a, this is a creative, thoughtful, passionate driven organization and, and if, as a passionate driven generation and if organizations can actually grab hold of that then we can drive you know organizations can drive that sort of community that sort of innovative spirit that sort of can-do attitude and we can organizations can do that through listening they can do that through creating channels they can do that by putting gen z onto the project teams and giving them you know significant meaningful roles where where they can make a difference so it's about the content of the job would be my last would be my last you know point for organizations to think about okay and i think they're definitely food for thought and, it, and that's quite a broad thing for some to do so they are very good tips for people to do <laughs> so i'm imagining you've got a book that might support them doing it isn't you? <laughs> Uh, thanks for that intro, Scott. You're, you're more than welcome. <laughs> uh, so yes, it, it will come as no surprise. So uh, a, a close colleague uh, of mine, Graham Scott, and I have just published uh, on Amazon uh, a book called Gen Z Insight, uh, How to Make Your Organization a Gen Z Magnet, divided into two halves, uh, very much the first half around the values that Gen Z uh, demonstrate. You know, everything from... Uh, their attitude to money through to their attitude to mental health, you know, you know, uh, flexibility. Second half is very much a very practical implication. So the sort of stuff we've talked about today, you know, how do we make this work in organisations? And, and every chapter we, we focus around the employee life cycle and around the, uh, the culture, organisational culture and stuff. And throughout the entire book, it is, you know, littered with very practical examples 
Um, I have 30 plus years working in organizations. Chris, Chris O'Brien, well, our third colleague, and, and Graham also have you know, decades working in organizations. So very practical, very practical hints and tips. And I think for us, importantly, you know, lots of references because this is, we're not just taking this around personal experiences, although obviously that will help drive it, but there's a lot of research out there over the last five years or plus that um, to help form and help us understand this generation and how, you know, what a significant impact they will make on, on you know, the workplace in the coming years. Okay, lovely. So uh, listeners, if you want to grab that book, what I will do is I'll put the, the link for the book in the bottom of the comments. So just click on that link and then you can purchase the book if you wish. Thank um, you. But Guy, it's great talking to you. I think you've had, it's really insightful and thank you very much for your time. And, Pleasure. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. You're more than welcome and I'm, I'm sure the listeners found it useful as well. Thank you.